Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is any praise, think about these things. Philippians 4.8 God, thank you for filling the world with things that are true and honorable good and right and pure. Thank you for the beauty, the loveliness, the excellence. Thank you for all the things that bring joy to me, all the things that are positive and uplifting. There are so many, many of these things. Give me eyes to see them and a heart to understand and appreciate them. Help me to focus on these things in obedience to your word today. Yes, today I declare that I will walk in the light of your love and the joy of your salvation. I will choose to celebrate your goodness, your faithfulness. I will choose to stay hopeful and joyful no matter what happens to me. I will count my blessings. I will look for others who need help or need hope or just need a little more joy in their day. And I will give it to them in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to show me what to do and what to say. Use me to encourage and inspire everyone around me today. Let your love and your joy and your light shine through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co-founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask, do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at americaschristiancu.com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hi, I'm Dr. Tony Evans, and I'm excited for you to join me on this series, Please be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you get the newest episodes right as they come out. Welcome to The Epic Adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few know about David the man. I'm glad you're here with me as we mine the depths of this renowned tale. In this episode, The wait is finally over. We finally get to meet David, the runt of Jesse turned king. A question may have crossed your mind along the lines of, why is it taking us so long in the story to finally get to David? This is an important question that deserves time. The arc of Saul's rise and fall from grace was a confirmation of everything Samuel warned the people of. They clamored for a king, and Samuel warned them of how corrupt this king could become. Sure enough, the king became corrupt. Saul started out with a pure heart, but quickly descended into pride. 
His life is supposed to make us look at David with skeptical eyes, watching to see if he will walk down a similar path. No doubt, David is going to have plenty of opportunities in his life to follow his pride instead of commands of God. He will have chances to indulge, stray, and sin. Will he give in the same way Saul did? Is the crown just too heavy a weight so that any man, pure or wicked, would fail if they wore it? Watch David's life carefully and see how he handles the intense pressures of being God's chosen king. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have a lot to get to before David is ever given a crown. The prelude of this episode and the beginning of this episode introduce us to two different shepherds. One was once a prince, but became a shepherd. The other was a shepherd, but became a prince. The parallels in their lives speak to the heart of God. He isn't looking for a warrior, a scholar, a noble, or a politician to lead his people. He is looking for a shepherd. Let's meet God's chosen one in episode five, The Forgotten Son. Prelude to chapter five. The clouds whisked blissfully over the blue skies. It was as if they were traveling slowly somewhere unknown and untouched. Moses smiled as he watched them glide over the skies like sailboats on the open ocean. He lounged in the grass, occasionally glancing over at the sheep grazing beside him. The life of a shepherd suited him. All the cares and troubles of being an Egyptian prince had been a heavy burden. Now, in the wilderness with the people of Midian, he felt at peace. He was content to be a shepherd. He counted and named the sheep daily, led them to the green fields and gentle streams, and ensured they were safe from predators. As Moses lounged, he saw one of the lambs trot away past the large rocks and up the mountain. Moses stood up and grabbed his staff. Every lamb was important, and they were all worth going after. Moses left the other sheep and began to scale the mountain. The little lamb left Moses' view as it wandered through the canyons. Moses picked up the pace, listening to the echoing boss. As Moses reached the peak, he could see a light emanating from the dark shadows of the canyons. He gripped his shepherd's staff tightly and approached slowly. As he turned the corner, a burst of light danced upwards from a flame. Before Moses stood a bush ablaze with bright white fire. Although the fire was burning hot, the bush was untouched and unconsumed. The ground around him was pulsing with power. Moses could feel it in his feet. The prince turned shepherd, came closer, then halted immediately when he heard a voice. Moses, it whispered. The voice was like a still and babbling brook. His eyes widened and he looked behind him. The voice was not coming from another person in the canyon. The voice was coming from the bush itself. Moses, the voice said louder. This time, the voice had the intensity of rushing waters. Here I am, Moses said with a trembling voice. Moses did not understand that his life of being a shepherd was about to come to a close. The simple and endearing days of tending to sheep had ended. Now Moses was asked to tend to a greater flock, God's flock. The flock of Israel needed to be led into greener pastures and stiller waters. God would not choose a warrior to lead them. He would not appoint a king to march against the armies of Egypt. No, God would send a shepherd. The Lord's heart is the heart of a shepherd. Chapter 5 The Forgotten Son
The wildflowers had tucked in for the night, and the soft breeze whistled gently to the plucking of the shepherd's harp. The sheep slept soundly under the stars, and the young shepherd boy looked up, basking in the vastness of their beauty. He played a melody only he and the Lord knew. His music was better to God than incense, for it came straight from the well of the boy's heart. He worshipped God under the stars and among his sheep, however the tender moment was quickly disturbed by a rustling in the bushes. The shepherd boy put down his harp and grabbed his staff resting underneath the cypress tree. Slowly, he approached the bush with his staff gripped tightly. As he drew closer, he could hear the low-pitched purrs of a lion. Its groaning was so deep the boy could feel it in his chest. He paused and reached back for his sling. It was a humble weapon, but effective. His aim had become precise, and the speed of the stone made it so he could send a stone flying straight through the skull of a wolf. As he was arming himself with a stone, the lion burst forth from the bushes right over the shepherd. Its hind legs were massive, allowing it to soar over the boy with ease. It leapt forward to the flock of sheep. They scattered, but not before the lion took one of the lambs in its mouth. The dark covering of night made it hard for the shepherd to see. However, he could hear the painful cries of his lamb. The lion made a run for it with the lamb alive in his jaws. The boy did not think. He acted upon his shepherdly instincts and ran after the lion. He ran with vigor and tenacity. He followed the cries of the sheep all the way to the canyons outside the city. The darkness of night was beginning to melt as the sun began its ascent. The dim light allowed the shepherd to see the lion scaling a cliff. The lion scaled the mountain with ease, with the lamb still crying out for help. The shepherd scaled up the mountain on all fours until finally reaching the mouth of the lion's den. He paused, listening to the echoing shrieks of his sheep intermixed with the low roars of the lion. His heart was beating furiously fast. His breathing was heavy and quick. Now that the lamb had been taken to the den, time was running out. The boy stepped forward at the mouth of the den, right in the eye line of the lion. The beast rose and crouched into an attack position. The shepherd steadied his breathing and reached back for his sling. He placed the smooth stone in the leather hold and began to swing the sling behind him. He had one shot at the lion, only one. He pivoted his foot back, bent his front knee and prepared for the first strike. If the lion attacked first, it was over. He must be the first one to act. The boy burst forward with the sling still swinging behind him. The lion took the bait and pounced forward exposing its underbelly. The shepherd released the sling, sending the stone whistling through the air. The stone landed directly into the beast's ribs, cracking them instantly. The lion's momentum was halted as it crumbled to the ground. The boy took action immediately, pouncing on the lion fearlessly. He wrapped his legs around its neck and took his hands on either side of its jaw. The young shepherd roared as he pulled the jaws open, freeing his neck. Once he was free, the boy scooped up the lamb and burst out of the cave, not before being slashed in the back by the lion's paws. He kept moving without looking back. He ran as the roaring of the lion bellowed in the distance. Although his back was dripping with blood, all he cared about was the safety of his little lamb. The lion leapt forward out of the cave and cornered the shepherd and his little lamb. Hobbling with a broken rib, the lion made the first move, slashing its paws at the boy. 
With the heart of a protector, the boy dropped his lamb and leapt forward, wrapping his arms around the lion's neck. It raged against the boy, trying desperately to free itself. However, the shepherd would not let go. He arched his back and screamed into the canyons. The lion roared before falling to the ground and losing its breath. The shepherd did not loosen his grip until the lion's life was taken. He would never harm his sheep again. He made sure of it. The sun made its way over the horizon, spraying light over the hills. The wildflowers stretched out their petals and yawned. The boy limped his way up the hill where the rest of his flock was. His sheep were grazing on the grass, enjoying the morning dew on each blade. He set the little lamb down beside her mother. He inspected the lamb's body for gashes or teeth marks. Luckily, her wounds were not deep. She would heal just fine. The boy was pleased with himself. However, he was very much in pain. He reached over his shoulder and placed his hand on the wound. The lion had slashed at his left shoulder blade, creating a nasty scratch. His hand was covered in blood. He didn't mind. It was a small price to pay for his lamb's freedom. He was a good shepherd, and a good shepherd always lays down his life for his sheep. The boy made his way back home. His light hair was dusty and ragged, and his face was covered in dirt. He limped into his father's house and washed his face and feet with a basin of water. The home was warm from the fire, and the smell of rosemary filled the air from the stew cooking over it. He took a cloth and began to tend to his wound. He dabbed it gently, wincing with every touch. What did you do now? A voice asked from the other side of the room. His oldest brother Eliab was eating casually in the corner. The boy smirked. You wouldn't believe me if I told you, he said, still tending to the wound. Another brother named Abinadab entered in, barely noticing him as he took the ladle and filled his bowl with stew. He glanced over and smiled. Did the little mouse lose a fight with one of his sheep again? He scoffed. <laughs> Eliab laughed. The two of them ate at the table, chuckling at their youngest brother's pain. If you must know, it was a lion. The boy mumbled quietly. He tried to take one of our lambs, but I was able to wrestle it out of his jaws and save it. As he was saying this, the boy's father entered in with the rest of his brothers. His name was Jesse, and he was an influential man in the city. He had accumulated a small amount of wealth from his farm in Bethlehem. He was tall, strong, and calloused. What did I tell you about telling lies? He scolded. His deep and resonating voice shook the room when he entered. I will not have you parading yourself around like a hero, when you and I both know you did nothing of the sort. It did happen, Father. Go and see the teeth marks and the lamb for yourself, the boy replied. However, his words fell on deaf ears. His father sat down with his brothers. Together, they discussed Eliab's promotion in the ranks of Saul. The boy stood to his feet and walked outside. His back was sore, but he knew it would heal. He grabbed his shepherd's staff and walked up the hill into the sheep's pasture. He turned his face towards the sun and closed his eyes. Oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me, he whispered. The soft breeze caressed his cheek. The boy smiled and looked down at his flock. He knew them each by name. He knew their quirks, their personalities, and who they got along with. He knew his sheep, and they knew him. What a joy it is to be known, he whispered to himself.
That night, the shepherd picked up his harp that was still resting under the cypress tree. He plucked it joyfully, singing songs of praise to God. As he played, he looked up again at the vast heavens and rejoiced. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. He sang. His voice was filled with emotion. Tears fell down his smiling face. The Lord was his shepherd, and he nestled in closely to him like a little lamb sleeping under the stars. Under the same stars, Samuel bowed before God. His heart ached over the fallen state of Saul's heart. The people had cried out for a king, and what had been set in motion could not be undone. In the dead of night under the twinkling lights, Samuel sought wisdom from the Lord. The gentle voice of God spoke to the heart of Samuel, saying, How long will you lament over Saul? I have rejected him, and now it is time to meet my chosen king. Fill your horn with oil and go to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Among his sons you will meet the new king of Israel. For the first time in a long time, Samuel was afraid. Since their last meeting, Saul's mind and heart had grown increasingly more paranoid and harsh. He would send small platoons of his men to march around the perimeter of Samuel's home to keep track of him. He feared if he went and anointed a new king that Saul would find out and kill him. Samuel dug his hands into the dirt and lifted his eyes to heaven. How can I move without Saul flinching? If I depart from here and make it known that I am searching for a new king, surely Saul will kill me. The Lord spoke softly to his chosen prophet. His voice was like fresh water trickling in from a stream. Samuel listened like he would a song. Fear not, Samuel. Take a heifer with you to Bethlehem and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. When you arrive, I will guide you and show you what to do. When the time is right, you shall anoint the one I have declared to be king. Samuel nodded. A resolute peace filled his heart. When he first anointed Saul as king, it was because the people demanded it. However, now he was searching for a king that God had already chosen from the beginning. Samuel took a heifer and made his way to Bethlehem. Samuel led the heifer in on a rope through the marketplace of Bethlehem. People whispered to each other as he passed by. They knew who he was, and they were afraid. Word of what Samuel had done to King Agad spread, and they feared the prophet was now on a campaign of justice. The elders approached Samuel trepidatiously. Do you come in peace? They asked with trembling bows. Samuel paused for a moment. Among the elders of the city was Jesse. The prophet smirked, amused at God's perfect timing. Yes, my sons, I come in peace, he said with a grin. I have come here to make a peace offering to the Lord and hold a feast. Consecrate yourselves and join me as I worship. Then we will hold a feast in Jesse's home and enjoy the remainder of the sacrifice. Jesse's eyes widened. It was a great honor to be asked by the prophet to share a ceremonial meal. He had heard that King Saul once joined Samuel for such an event before he was anointed as king. Jesse pondered the prophet's reasons for holding the feast in his home. 
His home was not the largest, nor was he the most prominent elder in Bethlehem. Jesse hurried home and prepared everything for Samuel and the other elders. An altar was consecrated for Samuel to make the sacrifice, and the kitchens were made ready for the feast. Jesse and his wife busied themselves for hours, ensuring everything was perfect for the night. Jesse gathered his sons and daughters and spoke with them. His sons, Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah, Nathanael, Radai, and Ozem, stood at attention silently. His daughters, Zeruiah and Abigail, sat at his feet. However, the youngest son was not in attendance. All must be perfect for the prophet, Jesse demanded. This home will be like a temple to the holiest man in Israel. You are all to attend him and hold yourselves with honor. Jesse then turned to Eliab and grabbed his shoulders. Eliab, my son, you are the pride and honor of this family. You are my eldest and a true warrior. You shall sit beside the prophet tonight. Hold yourself with dignity, for I perceive the prophet is here for more reasons than making a sacrifice. Eliab nodded regally, and the rest of the children nodded in agreement. The sacrifice had been made with the elders and Jesse's sons in attendance. Samuel stood over the flames on the altar and lifted his voice to the Lord. He made himself attentive to the voice of God, for he knew that it was now time to meet the new king of Israel. He turned and gestured for them to make their way to the home of Jesse. He walked behind them, observing each son that marched beside Jesse. They were impressive young men. They walked with confidence in their steps. As they all sat down to eat, Samuel noticed Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, sitting beside him. As the day drew on, the old prophet observed every word that came out of Eliab's mouth. He spoke like a noble, yet had the strong back of a warrior. He stood taller than the rest of his brothers, and his personality seemed to be even taller. He laughed with the elders, making relatable jokes and jabs at them. However, he was also able to speak of politics, war, and the strategy of King Saul. Surely he must be the one God has chosen, Samuel thought to himself. He has all the makings of a young king. Among the clanging of dishes and laughs of the guests, Samuel heard a still and quiet voice. Like a whisper beckoning him away from the feast, he heard God speak, saying, Look past his height and appearance, Samuel. I have rejected the man you see before you. For man sees the outward appearance. They see the strength of the man's arms and the way he carries a sword. But the Lord looks into the heart. Samuel bowed his head for a moment, closing his eyes and recentering his mind on the heart of God. He desperately desired to see what God saw. He did not want to see yet another Saul darken the palace halls. He could not bear it. Jesse, Samuel said, beckoning him over. Jesse quickly made his way over to Samuel's side of the table. Bring all your sons to me. I wish to see them. Jesse smiled brightly. Samuel could tell that his sons were his pride and joy. He was pleased to bring them before the prophet. Samuel looked at them closely. Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah, Nathanael, Radai, and Ozem all stood at attention before the sitting prophet. Samuel stood to his feet and walked up to them. Since the Lord had rejected Eliab, he moved on to Abinadab. He grabbed his hand and peered into his eyes. Samuel's brow furrowed with concentration. He looked with the eyes of God. 
trying to peer into the heart and soul of the man standing before him. Neither has the Lord chosen this one, Samuel whispered to himself. Abinadab looked at his father in confusion. Jesse simply shrugged. None of them knew what Samuel was up to. The old prophet stood before Shammah. Although he was shorter than Eliab, he was clearly more built than the rest of his brothers. His hands were rugged from his recent admission into the ranks of Saul. Samuel scanned him up and down, then looked closely into his eyes. He shook his head. Nor this one, he whispered. The Lord had clearly rejected all the sons of Jesse that were before him. Samuel sighed and scratched his head in confusion. Jesse, are these all your sons? He asked. Ah, there is still the youngest. However, he is keeping the sheep in the pasture. You would not want to meet him anyway. Jesse and the rest of his sons chuckled. Where is your pasture? Samuel asked calmly. Over the hill, just beyond the stables. The boy takes the sheep all throughout the hills and valleys beyond our property. However, today I would imagine he is plucking his silly harp under the cypress tree. I would not bother with him. Jesse's ambivalence toward his youngest son surprised Samuel. He had such pride in his other sons. It was odd that he would forget one of them. Samuel bowed his head to Jesse and the other sons. I shall be on my way. Thank you for your hospitality. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Jesse and his sons bowed before Samuel and thanked him. Samuel picked up his staff and wandered past the stables and up the grassy hill. The wildflowers were in full bloom, arraying the grassy hills in splendor. Soft music could be heard from a distance. Samuel smiled as he looked at the flowers swaying back and forth in the breeze. It was as if they were dancing to the music. Samuel made his way up the hill. Sheep were grazing lazily in the mild sun. The music seemed to soothe them. Samuel looked around for the source of the melodies. Underneath the cypress tree in the shade was the shepherd boy Jesse spoke of. He leaned his back against the trunk of the tree, strumming his harp to the same tempo of the wind. Samuel approached the tree, trying not to interrupt the boy's playing. He sat on the stone only a few yards away from where the boy lounged. The old prophet leaned back and observed him. He could not have been any older than sixteen. His long hair was lighter than his brother's. He was not as looming as his oldest brother Eliab. However, he was very handsome and ruddy in appearance. Samuel was content to be silent for a while and listen to the music. The song was a balm to his weary and downcast soul. The boy's music was emotional and somber, yet filled with an unwavering joy. Clearly, it was a song written from the heart. As the song gently came to a close, Samuel leaned over as he sat and cleared his throat. <coughs> the boy jumped back and grabbed his staff. Who are you? The young shepherd said quickly. <laughs> Samuel laughed and waved his hands. I'm sorry if I startled you, my son. Please do not be alarmed. I come in peace. The boy lowered his staff and looked at the man up and down. You must be the prophet I heard about. I could hear my father clamoring to my family about you from here. The boy bowed a knee in respect. Samuel peered at the boy for a long while before speaking again. Tell me, why were you not in attendance at the feast? He asked. The boy shrugged. I am only a shepherd. He replied. I suppose my place is among my sheep. In that moment, Samuel felt a surge of God's joy well up from within him. As if the voice of God was striking like lightning in his mind, 
he could hear the Lord say, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one I have chosen. Samuel stood in front of the boy. Surely you are not only a shepherd. What is your name? David, he replied. Kneel before the Lord, David, for the Lord desires to bless you. Samuel took his horn of oil and anointed David's head, and the Spirit of God rushed upon the shepherd boy like a mighty tempest. A surge of courageous fire burned within David's belly. Although David hadn't the slightest clue why Samuel had anointed him, he knew that from that day forward, the Lord had destined him for great things. Samuel departed and went to Ramah, pleased about who God had chosen. He knew that he did not have to bring David before the people as he once did with Saul. He knew that in God's timing, David would be more than just a shepherd to his sheep, but a shepherd over the flock of Israel. Samuel chuckled to himself as he departed Bethlehem. God chose an unremarkable city and an unremarkable young man to accomplish his purposes. He truly did choose the unexpected things of this world to display his power. A cry of frustration could be heard from the dark halls of the king's palace. The clanging of thrown lampstands and broken pots echoed throughout the property. All the servants knew that it was Saul again. His outbursts of anger in the night had been regular occurrences. They listened as the king raged in his throne room. An evil and dark spirit had overcome him. Since the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul's presence, a brooding and harmful tormentor had taken residence in his mind. Tears ran down Saul's frustrated face as he leaned against the wall, banging his fists against them. The king fell to his knees and sobbed. He was ashamed of his anger, and angry at his shame. Saul ceased his wailing when he heard the door slowly creak open. Samuel? The king asked frantically. Saul's servant poked his head in. No, my lord. It is I, Tavi. Saul wiped his eyes and stood to his feet. Sweat dripped down his back and brow. He was a haggard sight. What is it, Tavi? Saul said with a tired voice. It is clear that a harmful spirit is tormenting you. I know a young man from Bethlehem who was able to play the lyre and harp. He is very skilled and of good reputation for his music. He's a smart young man, and I hear he's courageous as well. When you feel out of control and frustrated, he can play for you. And you can receive peace. Saul sighed and leaned back in his throne. Very well, the king said while rubbing his eyes. Send him to me. Perhaps music will give me peace. Tavi rode into Bethlehem into the home of Jesse. Jesse was pleased to see a servant of the king present. First a prophet and now a servant to the king? Jesse thought to himself. The Lord must favor me greatly. Good morning, Jesse. How are you and your sons? Taffy asked graciously. They are well, my lord. To what do I owe the presence of the king's servant? The king requires your son's presence. What if his skill has traveled far? Jesse puffed his chest up with pride. With his hands on his waist and a smile on his face, he said, Eliab is truly skilled, isn't he? I'm sure the king would benefit from having a strong right hand such as his. Taffy shook his head. No, sir, the youngest of yours. David is his name, if I'm not mistaken. The king is in need of his skills as a musician. Jesse looked over his shoulder. David was shearing a few of the sheep under the stables. 
A slight snarl left his upper lip. David, the runt of the litter, was going to receive the highest honor anyone in his family ever received. Jesse turned around. His snarl was replaced with a fraudulent smile. He bowed and said, David will be in the presence of the king with his lyre in two days' time. Tavi bowed his head and rode off. David creaked open the large wooden doors into the throne room. None of the lampstands were lit, and the fire in the center of the room was flickering dimly. The shepherd boy approached the throne softly with the lyre in his hands. Laying back in the shadows was the king. Even with his tired and tormented demeanor, his presence was larger than life to David. He noticed the king's massive armor and sword mounted above his throne. They reflected the flickering firelight, bouncing right back into David's eyes. The glow was magnificent. The echoes of David's footsteps came to a halt as he bowed before the king. Saul's eyes scanned David up and down. I hear your music calms the soul, shepherd boy. Saul slurred. Only the Lord can calm the soul, my king. David replied respectfully. The music I play is unto him, and in his delight the peace pours forth. So you are a poet as well, Saul scoffed. The Lord's delight is fickle, boy. One day you have it, the other you don't. David did not reply to Saul's outburst. He simply sat on a stool beside the fire and began to strum. The anthem coming from David's lyre was pure and heartfelt. The song seemed to touch Saul's heart like a warm fire. The highs and lows of the song took the king on an emotional journey, finally finishing in a place of rest. When David was finished playing, Saul felt as if he was resting in the fields of green by quiet streams. He breathed in deeply and fell asleep. David smiled, pleased that his music was able to bring peace to Saul. He stood up and put another log on the fire. Its small flame increased, filling the room with warmth. David set himself again and continued to play. The king was pleased with him and loved him like his own son. Saul sent word to Jesse, asking for him to remain in his service as his armor-bearer. So whenever Saul felt tormented by the evil spirit within, he would call on David to quiet the beast. David was pleased to serve his king. He found in him the recognition he had always longed for in his own father. Nothing was sweeter than sitting in the presence of the king, playing his music unto the Lord. He prayed it would never cease. Just how far would a shepherd go for his lamb? For David, it was into the mouth of the lion's den. In the episode leading up to this one, we're told that God has chosen someone who is after his own heart. Not only is God seeking a man who pursues the heart of God, but also someone who models his heart after God's. The scene of David's pursuing the lion gives us a brilliant glimpse into his heart. He is brave, tender, fierce when needed, and humble. But we must not glaze over the most important quality of David. He is willing to die for his sheep. The story tells us that the scratch on his back was a small price to pay for his lamb's freedom. He was a good shepherd, and a good shepherd always lays down his life for his sheep. This is our first of many allusions to Jesus, who calls himself the good shepherd. 
David's story is going to continually point forward to the ultimate chosen hero of God, Jesus Christ. We're going to spend a lot of time getting to know David in this series. In many ways, I hope we grow with him, falling deeper in love with God in the process. He is going to have triumphs, tragedies, and many adventures. As we witness the highs and lows of David's life, we must always remember our first impression of him with the lion. This episode depicts him as a warrior poet. One moment he is writing music under the stars, the next he is strangling a lion with his bare hands. David is simultaneously fierce and inspired. We should keep this dichotomy in mind when we follow David on his escapades. He is a sensitive soul, but it does not mean he isn't dangerous. David is clearly capable of great things, like taking down a wild beast, but he would much rather be singing to the Lord among the sheep. David has no ambition for the throne. He simply wants to be near to God and protect his flock. David's balance of faithfulness and fierceness are what make him an excellent shepherd, and it will make him an excellent king as well. After a long day, David leans back and sings to God. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. This song is taken from Psalm 148. In this series, we will get to hear a few psalms of David. He wrote 73 psalms that we know of, and they are all beautiful, raw, and profound songs from his heart to God's. It is important for us to remember that David was first and foremost a shepherd and poet. He was also a worship leader before the congregation of Israel. The multiple layers of David make him a unique character in Scripture. Many of the figures in the Bible before David were singularly focused. Their stories were more focused and less nuanced than David's. David is our first deep dive into a man with diverse interests. He is the Bible's first Renaissance man. David may be interesting to us, but his family doesn't seem to think so. One of the more perplexing mysteries of David's story is why his father and brothers seem to have so much contempt for him. One of the reasons that David may have been forgotten and ridiculed is that he was illegitimate, that is born out of wedlock, since he himself says, in sin my mother conceived me. At the end of the episode, David is grafted into the household of Saul as his armor bearer and personal musician. David finds a great deal of purpose and comfort in the house of Saul and eventually becomes his literal son through marriage. Father wounds are a clear theme in David's life. At first, he finds the fatherly attention from Saul that he lacked from his own father. This causes him to be loyal to a fault. Later on in the story, we will see David forgiving Saul endlessly. David is a great man, but we will occasionally see glimpses of his inner child who was neglected by his father. But the loving embrace of God will fill the gaps in David's life better than any father could. An obvious example of this neglect is when Samuel comes to Jesse's house. I want you to imagine the most important person in your country coming to your home and you purposefully send one of your kids away. This should give you a good idea of where David stood with his family. God had sights on him, though, and Samuel eventually found him. David's brothers had similar qualities to Saul. They were large, charismatic, and outwardly had the qualities of a king. When people look for leaders, they can look for the wrong things, but God looks at the heart. God tells Samuel, look past the height and appearance, for man sees the outward appearance. They see the strength of the man's arms, 
and the way he carries a sword, but the Lord looks into his heart. David is not a perfect person. He, like Saul, will make many mistakes in his life. The difference that God sees between David and Saul is the heart. We would be wise to take personal inventory of our own hearts. Do we do all the right things for God, all the while neglecting our own inner hearts? This is part of why Pray.com is such an invaluable resource. There are hours of content that seeks to tend to your hearts like a garden so they might thrive and grow. Samuel bids Jesse and the other brothers farewell and turns his gaze upward to the hills. Do you remember how beautiful the description of the hill was? The wildflowers were in full bloom, arraying the grassy hills in splendor. Soft music could be heard from a distance. Samuel smiled as he looked at the flowers swaying back and forth in the breeze. It was as if they were dancing to the music. Samuel made his way up the hill. Sheep were grazing lazily in the mild sun. The music seemed to soothe them. This description is supposed to elicit feelings of Eden in us. Samuel steps into this harmonious space where heaven and earth seem to converge. David is a picture of Jesus among the people of God, leading them with a soothing melody of peace. It is a heavenly image, followed by a heavenly blessing that is given to David. Samuel anoints his head with oil, which is a symbol of God's Spirit. David was changed from that moment. We are immediately taken away from the scene of heaven and brought into hell. Saul's chambers are dark, chaotic, and tormenting. The scene with David jumping to the scene of Saul is supposed to be jarring for us and a reminder that the veil between peace and chaos is thin. Saul is tormented by an evil spirit without comfort. Everyone around him feels his pain, and Tavi seeks to give him ease. David is brought into the darkness to bring the peace and light of God. This is an image of what Jesus does to us. He steps into our darkness and brings comfort. He sings a song of grace over us and soothes our anxious minds. The relationship between Saul and David will be a complicated one. As I mentioned before, Saul will be like a father to David, but that closeness will come at a cost. Everyone close to Saul end up hurt by him, and David will be no different. In the next three episodes, we will see the ups and downs of their relationship. We will also get to witness David fall in love, make bonds, and vanquish enemies. But first, we will watch him slay a giant. Follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify to get the newest episodes right as they come out and always be inspired by the Bible. Join us next time for the episode we have all been waiting for, David and Goliath.